Good morning again, everyone, and good morning again, online community. We're so glad you guys are here. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors, and and super stoked to um, to continue on in our service. I love I love being in church. I love being in church. I love being in God's Word. I love it. Do you love it? Yeah. And you don't. You might not love it as much as me, but listen, you right now because I was here all hour already before you got here. But do you feel that? It's just so sweet and so rich, right? Um, being together. We're talking about faith. And uh, oh, by the way, we're in the, the Summer in the Scriptures um, series. And if you have not joined us, this is the QR code that's in the card in front of you. This is to join our app and our reading group together. And so what will happen is, uh, so if you shoot this with your camera, you will uh, have an opportunity to download our app if you haven't done so. And if you have, it'll take you right to the group. You can sign up and you'll get a message every morning this week, Monday through Saturday from me. Uh, and the preaching pastor every week during this series with a little reading to do together and some discussion, and it has been rich. Uh, there's, uh, how many of you guys are in that? How many of you guys are already signed up for that? Yeah, and pretty good so far, right? The folks, we have some, we have some studs in our church. The comments that people are writing are just so insightful, so teachable, so um, humble and present with God, super rich. So hope you uh, are a part of that, and um, you can jump in and and sign up now for this week. I did hear somebody at the end of last gathering say that we may have broken it um, for a minute. And so if you can't get on, try again later because we, we have like 200 and something people that are all joining on that thing. So we'd love you to be a part of that. But this Summer in the Scripture series is about faith because we're in Hebrews chapter 7 and we're looking at all these Old Testament characters of faith and then looking at the Old Testament about what their story is. And it's super fun because some of it has very little to go on. And I thought, I'm going to do Enoch today, which I'm going to get to, but not for a few minutes, you guys, because I'm going to do a little bit of pre-work on, on uh, looking at the word faith. But I thought, oh, Enoch will be easy. There's not much there. And then the, the most, well, I got into it so deep, and now you're going to be the victims of all that went on with me this week. All right, so here we go. You got coffee? Did you have coffee? Did you get coffee? Did you get enough coffee? I got some coffee. All right, let's do it. First of all, I'm going to tell you a story about faith, because we're going to move toward demystifying this word. This is a super, super Christian-y word. And some of us kind of, when we hear it, we're like, mm, and we sort of turn off. You know how many times faith is used in the Bible? Somebody want to take a guess? If you're within, well, take a guess. And if you're close, I'm going to buy you a coffee. All right. Who wants to take a guess? How many times the word faith? Don't ask Google. <laughs> Nobody wants to take a guess because you're afraid to look dumb. No one has to look dumb. It's just so surprising. Roger, how many times do you think the word faith is? Uh, 47. 47. <laughs> 457. So it is an important word. It's all over the place, but it becomes a tad sort of like diluted for us because it's not a super easy word. So I'm going to move us toward an understanding of this word today and try to demystify it. Before I do, here's what I want to lean into. I want to lean into a story that is the worst story about faith that's out there in Christianity. Okay? This is the worst story. This is the worst analogy. This is a metaphor. I'm going to tell you a story. It's the worst story. You got it? Is it a right story? No, it's the worst story. All right, I want to say that. Because it's super kind of popular. I've heard it a million times in my journey with Jesus. But here's what the story is. The story is about a guy who went to like some big cavern, picture the Niagara Falls, and, he's, and he put a big tightrope across the Niagara Falls from end to end. You know the story? And he had a wheelbarrow and he said to the crowd, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to walk on the tightrope all the way across Niagara Falls. Who believes I can do that? And everybody's like, that sounds awesome. We believe you can do it. And so then he, he uh, uh, some more people started gathering to watch what was going to happen. And he's like, okay, I'm going to get up there 
and I'm going to push this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls, all the way across from end to end on the little wire, the tightrope, high wire act or whatever. Who believes I can do that? They're like, you can do it. That'd be awesome. We believe you can do it. He's like, who believes I can do it? They're like, we believe you can do it. Well, you know where the story's going, right? He's like, okay, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Have you not heard that joke? You laughed like you've never heard it before. But here's the problem, you guys. We come to think that that's actually, and I've heard it told in this context, if you have faith, you should get in the wheelbarrow. And I want to tell you, that is not faith. That is stupid. (laughs) Because when we start to think about faith, the word has so much more substance than that idea that we start to think about faith and it gets a bad rap because at a first look, we think of that story and we think, I don't want to get in the wheelbarrow. And so if that's what you're talking about with God, like that kind of life, I'm out. And well, I just want to say to you this morning, not like have faith, get in the wheelbarrow. I want to say, yeah, no, that sounds smart. There's no such thing as blind faith as we'll talk about over and over and over again. Our faith, friends, this is what the scripture teach, our faith is that we put trust in the object of our faith. And as we grow to understand that the object of our faith, the God of creation, who is and was and is to come, who has done great work over and over and over again and who has showed up for us over and over and over again, when we put our faith in that God, then it's not blind faith. It's faith in a God that we have come to know we can trust. And that's what faith is about. Now, we'll talk more about sort of definition as we go along, but this bad rap about faith is because we're just told, have faith in the universe or have faith in God, but without coming to understand who that God is and what he has done and what he can do again is just asking us to live in sanity. So we're going to want to know God is the kind of the, the, uh, um, the spoiler alert for where we're going in the sermon today. The other reason why the word faith has a bad rap is it sounds like when we do a cursory look at some of the 457 or 58 verses that use the word faith, it sounds like it's just something we should just have, have faith. And you're like, I don't have so much faith. It feels a little bit like getting in a wheelbarrow with a crazy man. And, and the Bible tells you, well, just have it. And you're like, okay, I don't like, what do I, how do I, where do I get there? And you see this even in our text verse for this scriptures, and I'll I'll lead you where I'm going with that thought, but in this sermon series, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, you can see it there. It's like, now faith is this confidence. Look at this text. In what we hope for, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the the ancients were commended for that we're going to study. But when we do just do a quick glance at it, it looks like it's saying, guess what? The ancients were commended for having faith. They jumped in the wheelbarrow. They knew it was crazy talk, but they just did it. That is not what the verse is about. And that is not what faith is about because it's the object of our faith that makes all the difference, right? It's the understanding of who we're putting our faith in. And so maybe this would help you when you look at it. We have to be careful about looking just so quickly and being like, okay, faith, ready? I'm going to have faith. I don't, okay, faith. Like, no, that doesn't, that's not how it works. We, Let's think of it. What if we thought about it, about growing, about a life that's progressing, listen, in our trust in God. When we take all the commandments about faith, 
it is a call to continue to grow and progress in our understanding and therefore our trust and our experience of who this God is, which is the opposite of blind faith. It's a growing confidence in who God is. And so think about it. If you look at those words on the screen, this is sort of Jeff's expanded version of the text. I don't think it's dishonoring the text. I don't think it's unfaithful to the scriptural truths that are taught in 458 times in the Bible. But what if it said sort of this, like, so now faith, now growing in faith, growing in this trust with God is going to lead to a growing confidence that all the stuff that God says is true. That all that we hope for is real and we'll have this growing ever more assurance that what we don't yet see is true, even though we don't see it now. Does that help you a little bit to see this sense of becoming more and more people of faith, people who trust God, rather than this sense of get in the wheelbarrow and you're like, okay, God doesn't ask that. So, Let's keep going as we look for the, and, the and, and, and this is, by the way, what the ancients were commended for. They were commended for living lives that lived out that growing understanding of who God is and why he could be trusted. And you see that in uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 11, same just toward the end of the passage, verse 6, which is part of the Enoch passage, which I'm going to get to in a minute, trust me. And without faith, it says, without this growing confidence in who God is, it's impossible to please God. Well, doesn't that make sense? Without a growing confidence, without a growing understanding of who God is, you can't please God because there's no relationship with God. There's no sense of who he really is. But anyone who comes to him, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he's real, that he exists, and that he rewards people who earnestly seek him. Now read between the lines, church. The faith that they were commended for that pleases God is a faith where somebody goes, I'm becoming more and more convinced that God is real and that he can do what he promised and that he brings life, rewards to those who give their lives to him. That's what faith is about. So here's what I landed on on my, on my uh, definition of faith. Faith is acting on what we know to be true. And there's an, always an action to faith. Our sermon series is called Faith in Action. There's always an, this putting our faith in God is always an action word. So there's, it's acting on what we know to be true about God and all the things of God, even if we've not yet seen it true in this particular situation. Isn't that good? I'm kind of proud of that. I like that. It's acting on what we know to be true about God. It's not just jumping in the wheelbarrow because somebody said you should have faith. Well, I don't even know what that means. But it's coming to know God and stepping out in that with a growing confidence, even if we haven't seen it true yet in this situation. But do you see what it implies? It's been true, what? In other situations, which you only come to find out when you start walking with God and stepping out, believing what he says is true. And you start to grow in your confidence that that actually can be true about God, even in this situation, even when we don't see that it's true in this situation. There's an example, for example, Linda and I, this week, we were, we, um, or last week, maybe we were sensing the Lord asking us to help somebody financially. And it wasn't 
I mean, we just, we started sensing that was what we wanted to do. And so in walking with God, we were like, is this what you want us to do? And it wasn't just like jump in the wheelbarrow. It was like, well, where would we get that money? And where would we, ha- where would we change our budget? And what would that look like? And would it be painful? And we got to the end of it and we're like, it would be a sacrifice. Like, like this would be a little bit rough for us. So what do we do with that deal? But we sensed that it was the Lord leading. So in walking with the Lord, we prayed it through and we let it sit with us. And we waited on the Lord about what that meant and what that looked like. And when we felt that there was confirmation from the Lord about what it was. So do you hear the difference between that and just like jumping in the wheelbarrow? It's a confidence that we're hearing God, we're walking with God, and wait, this is the punchline. And even though it would be a sacrifice and there was a little bit of like, okay, right? I don't see it yet to be true in this situation. In every other situation, God has never let us be without. Everything I know about him. Every other time we've stepped out in faith, every time we've given our hearts to somebody, every time we've given our time to somebody, every time we've laid down our lives for somebody, every time we've given something up, every time we've sacrificed, God has always come through and met us in that and never, never has failed us. Come on now, church. So this is not jump in the wheelbarrow and maybe you'll get a check in the mail. This is saying, this is the God that I know who leads tenderly and causes us even to step out where I haven't seen it true in this situation, but I believe that God will meet our needs and he always has. It's, there's no blind faith in there for me when I start and think it through because he always has come through. Come on now, anybody got an amen for me? You, you, you feel what I'm feeling? So blind faith is not a thing. It's never been a thing. There's no such thing as blind faith in the Bible it, it, because that's not faith, that's insanity. It's always a faith in the object of our faith, which is God and, and who he is and what he's done and what he can do again. You, by the way, we live by faith all day, every day, every one of us. You go, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I like living by faith. Like it's trust and scary and I'm going to step off the edge and I hope that story I just told you, it doesn't feel like you're stepping off the edge of a cliff going, I don't know. It's, no, I've seen this happen. I went bungee jumping. Have you been bungee jumping? Do you know, bungee jumping wasn't even that scary to me. Do you know why it wasn't scary to me? I was like 15th in line. (laughs) Right? I watched all the other people go. So I didn't be like, well, this prop... This may hold a body. I don't know. I was convinced it would hold a body because I'd seen it over and over again. You think about all the ways in which that is true for you. Did you get on an airplane this week for business? Did you fly somewhere? Let that get in your noggin when you're getting on a plane. Talk about faith, but it's not blind faith. You've been on a plane over and over and over again. And some guy named Bernoulli or whatever said that that airplane would lift up in the air. And so we live by faith every single day. So there's no such thing as blind faith. It's again, it's always the object of our faith has this credibility. It's everything. And the Bible, again, teaches that our faith in the God of creation, what we've come to learn about him and his character and what he's done, and listen, what we know he can do again, strengthens us to put our lives in his hands. Not blindly, but because we've seen it work. Now, let's turn to Enoch because I think you're going to see this played out in Enoch's story and in the Bible verses around Enoch. Did you get that thing about faith? Did you get that blind faith and object of our faith? Did you get it? If not, I'll talk some more. Anybody, what do you say? Go, we get it. Go like this, we get it. Good. 
So in Enoch, there's two passages in Enoch, and maybe you want to put your finger in, in, the, uh, in both passages. One's in Hebrews 11 and one's in Genesis 5. And in Hebrews 11, the passage that we're looking at about people of faith, this is what it says about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. Now that's pretty cool, by the way. Enoch was one of two people who didn't die. Did you know that? Who's the other one? Anybody know? Elijah, good job. He didn't die. God just took him to heaven. Now, there's something symbolic there we'll talk about in a minute about life. God's saying living by faith brings life. Okay, somebody say living by faith brings life. Yeah, that's kind of the point here that he's making about taking Enoch to heaven, that he didn't experience death. That's what it says. He did not experience death. And the, it quotes Genesis 5. He could not be found because God had taken him away. That's pretty cool. God just took him away. But somehow by faith, that happened. There was some component of Enoch. Listen, again, living in trust in God, believing in the object of his faith of who God was. The way that he lived, God's like, I want to make a point. You're not going to experience death. Oh, man, let me preach that. If we come to a place of living and putting our faith in God, putting our trust in God, putting our lives in God's hands and stepping out, not blindly, getting in some wheelbarrow of a crazy man, but in something we've seen and we're growing in our confidence, if we step out in faith like that, listen to what God says, we won't experience death. Eternal life, spiritual life, because we're walking in a relationship with God. That's what it's supposed to be about. There's something in there, and I don't know if I'll get to it again as I run out of time, but um, so God took him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So there's some connection between living this way with God and it pleasing God. Why? Because we're living exactly how we were designed to live. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And then the verse six that we looked about, without faith, it's impossible to please God for anyone who comes to him must believe. And don't, don't get stuck on the imperative verbs in the Bible, you guys. It's a different language than a long time ago. Just think and look at what it says. You know, it, it, like, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe. In other words, anyone who's coming to him and really connecting with him is believing that he exists. That's where richness is found. Not reciting rote prayers, but coming to him believing that who he is and who he says he is and that he, he brings life, rewards to those who seek him. So this is Enoch's story is what it says about him. And then it goes on to uh, in Genesis 5. If you go to Genesis 5 and you look at just a few verses about him, this is all we know. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters altogether. Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God and then he was no more. He was taken away. Is that the weirdest passage ever? Now, before I go on and talk more about faith, I know that, that the, the elephant in the room is you guys are like, who lives 365 years? Like, what is that about? And actually, he's like living the shortest out of a bunch of these people that are listed in Genesis 5, all these guys before Noah and the flood. Like, it's like, wait, what is that about? And so, um, fortunately, I have this thing called a study Bible. It has color on every page. It's got all kinds of articles and helps and all that kind of stuff to read when I come across one of those weird questions. And so I look over in Genesis 5, and, um, and look at this. It's got a thing that says, lifespan before the flood. It's got a whole article in it. Is this the coolest tool ever? So when we get to see this stuff, and we get stuck, and then we, and then we fall down some sort of a rabbit hole, and then we're like, okay, I'm out. 
I, I don't like Jesus anymore. We can, we can, this is what it says. I'll just read it to you. Whether the large numbers describing human longevity before the flood are literal or have a conventional literary function or both is uncertain. So, so don't get super stuck people. Do you hear what it said? Maybe God had people living that long back then because sin hadn't taken its toll on us. That makes some sense. Or maybe it served a literary function. 365 is it's sort of an interesting symbolic number, don't you think? If he had, if he lived, had life, 365 years, one year for every day in the solar calendar, like that's sort of symbolic, like he lived it, people. It was a full life as it was designed to be. You get it? That, that might be true. That's probably true. Or maybe he lived 365 years. Anyway, don't get stuck where you don't need to get stuck. Is this the greatest tool? Who wants this one right here? Oh, front row. Absolutely. Johannia, glad you get that. You're so happy to give that to you. All right. People clap over the giving away of the Bible. I love that. All right. So where were we? So we were talking about faith that somehow him trusting in the character of God, putting his faith in this object of his faith, which was God, pleased God. And in that pleasing that, that, um, it was because he believed in who God was, right? There was this understanding. Here you get that it uses the word he walked faithfully. That's where Hebrews author, author grabbed this word, pleased God, and used it, that he walked faithfully with God. So now you've got this piece of walking with God. So you've got believing in who God is and that he really exists, not blind faith. And living that out pleases God. We walk with God so that we're knowing God more and more. Oh my gosh, I love this all this data. Here's how I put it together. I put it in linear form. Then I'm going to put it in a circle graph for you. Ready? Here we go. So here's what we learned from Enoch in these two passages. By faith, Enoch pleased God by putting his trust in who God really was. He pleased God and he pleased God. Here's the logic. He pleased God because he believed that God was real and that God offered life. That's why it was pleasing to God. And he lived that out by walking faithfully with God. And walking faithfully with God builds even more faith, which then would cause one to please God by living this out and so forth. Isn't that good? Do you see the circular nature of it? And nowhere in there is, there's a crazy person who's not gonna guarantee your safety, get in the wheelbarrow. Oh no, you're a terrible believer. It's not what it is. Look at the circle about Enoch's faith. Start anywhere on the circle you want. And you've got this, like, you know, walking with God on the top right. You, if you walk with God, you're going to please God because you're living out what you were designed to do. And as you're pleasing God, because you're connected to God and living life, that it's, you're going to experience life as it was designed. And as you experience this life, you're going to be like, man, I love him and believe him more. And as you love him and believe him more, you're going to walk more closely with him. And as you walk more closely with him, it's going to please God because it's what you were designed to do. And then you're going to experience more life. And then you're going to believe him more. And then you're going to walk with him more. Do you get it? How great is that? So when we say, without faith, it's impossible to please God, we're saying, this is what God designed for us to be about. Now, I got it before I move on, and I know I'm running a little bit late, but I still, I, well, I'm not running late yet, but I'm going to run out of time if I don't do this quickly. Listen, I want to talk to you about walking with God, because you see that being the key to him pleasing God and experiencing life and building his faith. Walking with God is the 
biggest mind blower of this whole God Christianity thing, that it actually is a thing. That we literally walk with God. It's not a religion out there of beliefs and morals. It's not a, I'm supposed to trust my life to some sort of an unseen crazy man in a, with a wheelbarrow or the universe or whatever. It is walking with God that is the key to faith because he proves himself true. And as we walk with him, it's the key to more faith because we see him come through for us. And it strengthens us. We grow in our confidence and our assurance that what we don't see quite yet in this situation, we can trust God for. So how do you walk with God? How do you walk with God? It's as simple as this. Every room you walk into, every situation that you come into, you are believing, remembering that God is with you because he's in you as a believer in Jesus. And then, so now, all right, I'm God's woman, I'm God's man going into this situation. And then I'm going to posture myself intentionally, being very present with this truth, that that Holy Spirit who is in me will lead me, prompt me, talk to me, protect me, give me power, transform me. In other words, not only will I be God's person in that room, but I will be empowered by God and led by God to be his person in that room. And then thirdly, we make the choice to be obedient to that, whatever it is. We live in obedience to that. So we become God's people in any and every situation. I'd love to talk more with you about that, but that's what walking with God means. And so now you can see that. You're like, no wonder as that has, comes to fruition in our lives and we see God coming through, we see God using us, that we then become people who trust him even more. Okay. I'm going to blaze through the next few things. So here's some teaching. Here's some important truths that I don't want you to miss that come out of all this. It's just a summary again in a linear way for the things that we've kind of talked about for these last 25 minutes. Here they are. One, faith is about trusting and therefore acting on the character of God. It's not about blind faith. It's on the character of God, believing that he's real and what we know about him is real and how that gets confirmed by walking with him. Then faith is about trusting that, right? Go back to the wheelbarrow illustration. And I've said it many times. It's not some blind faith. It is actually, if you were to get in the wheelbarrow, the only way that wouldn't be a crazy story and a spiritually abusive story, I might add, right? Telling people, just believe, get in the wheelbarrow. No, the reason that's a good story is if you stood down there and you watched him push 15 people across in the wheelbarrow. And you're like, oh, he could do this. That's how our father leads us, our heavenly father. And so faith is about trusting on his character and what we've seen and let that build our faith. Second, faith is about trusting and therefore acting on our hope of reward and restoration. Hebrews 6 says, look at when you come to God, part of this faith is believing that when you're obedient to him, you'll find reward, your needs will be met, you'll be filled, you'll find life at its fullest, which I'll say in just a second. And there's total restoration someday in the future. And so even as we give ourselves to the Lord and believe in him for leading, for our job, for our finances, for relationships, for our broken heart, for all of the stuff, as we're waiting to put our faith waiting on God and we're putting our trust in him, we're believing that his good will come. 
And many of you have suffered heart-wrenching griefs and some unanswered prayers that make you go, what about that? And my only pastoral word is, remember how he has come and been with you in your grief and brought consolation and brought peace and brought rest that surpasses understanding. Even though this side of heaven, we still will have unanswered prayer and heart-wrecking things happen to us. But God still comes and brings his presence. And one day we'll wipe away every tear. Reward and restoration is real. Faith is about trusting that that's going to be true. Third, a life of faith is a life as it was intended to be. And that's what I was referring to over and over again. Because why? What do you mean is intended to be? It's what we were made to do was to walk with God and not experience spiritual death. That's why the Enoch story is so cool and so fun. What a symbol that he didn't experience death. (laughs) That's what our life's about. When we put our faith in this God, when we give ourselves to him, the scriptures are trying to communicate to us, you'll find life, a relationship with God now and forever. Like that's what he offers It's the opposite of all the other guys that were in the story above him in the genealogy that Enoch is listed in. They all lived and then died, lived and then died, lived and then died, lived and then died. And Enoch didn't experience death. And God's saying, when you give yourself to me in the the forgiveness and the love and the grace of Christ, if you give your life to me, you'll experience life. It's what we were made to do. It's the opposite of desolation and separation from God. And fourth, A life of faith pleases God. A life of faith pleases God. Come on out, you guys. Band, I want us to get worshiping here in a sec. A life of faith pleases God. Because, and why? Why does it please God? Because he likes it when we're uncomfortable and we're standing on the edge of the cliff wondering if we have enough evidence to jump. Because he likes it when we're uncomfortable. Likes it because he has a power trip. No, it pleases God. Because walking with God, remember, is the key to faith. Trusting in who God's character is. And so it pleases God because we know him, we believe he exists, Hebrews 11.6 says. And that he rewards us, that his life is right and best. It's what we were designed to do. So it pleases God when we live out our purpose as ones who, like Enoch, walked faithfully with him. That's why it pleases God. Because his deepest longing to be in relationship with us is happening. And because our deepest longing, which is to be in a relationship with God, is being fulfilled. And so it pleases God. So, that's a long, long way from blind faith in some impersonal universe where we're supposed to just have faith. We place our lives in the hands of a God that we have grown to trust. So this is why all the guys in the genealogy, as I talked about, just lived. Look at the text. It says Adam lived and this many years and then he died. And Seth lived this many years and he died. And Enos lived so many years and he died. And Canaan lived so many years and then he died. And Mahalalel lived so many years and then he died. And Jared lived so many years and then he died. And then it says, and Enoch, he walked faithfully with God. It doesn't say he lived. It says in a total he lived, but when everybody else said he lived and then he died, 
It said, Enoch, he walked faithfully and did not die. Enoch walked with God and it was more than just living. Enoch walked with God and he found life, eternal life. It was very different than spending time than just existing and wondering what my purpose here on earth was. Enoch walked faithfully with God and he experienced life as it was intended to be. So it's incumbent upon me at the end of this sermon to say, church, are you just living? Just spending the years And religion might be a part of that, religion. But a life of walking faithfully with God and living out our purpose of growing in our trust and confidence in him that we might experience the pleasure of God and therefore the fruit of, a, of life as it was intended to be. That's what God's asking us to do. And that's what a life of faith is. So as I leave you, listen. This is not like, okay, so hopefully you're going to be more strong. Hopefully you'll be more faithful. Hopefully you'll have more courage to jump in the wheelbarrow. The call here is, friends, walk with God. Know the character of God in whom you put your faith so that you receive life, so that you walk with him more, so that you receive more life, so that you please God and get on that circle. And if that does not describe your life, then somehow you've gotten off the path or you've missed it. And I just want to give you the invitation, even this morning during this worship song, if you need to realize, oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever been on that path. I've been trying to believe in the universe, but I've never put my life in the hands of a God that I can trust and made a choice to walk with him. Even this morning, make that choice, church. And maybe you did that a long time ago, you haven't been in God's hands in a long, long time. So even, I'm going to go old school. We'll do an invitation. As we stand in worship, you grab one of those little white cards in front of you. And if this is for you, and there's somebody in this room that that's for you. If you need to write, I want to walk with God. Instead of, I'm just going to live my life. But I want to walk with God. If you want to make that decision this morning, write it down. Put your name on it, and then you come find me. I'm going to be right here during this song or at the end come find me bring it to me and go I'm ready to put my hands in a God that I'm growing to understand and trust because friends can you feel it there's nothing more important than walking with him that's what faith means so let's stand if you want to take that card out during our worship time and write I want to walk with God or I want to walk with God again and come bring it to me, that'd be awesome. But let's respond to this good news by worshiping the Lord.